We have two lives, and the second one begins when we realize we only have one. That is from Confucius. When I was a sophomore in college, I was playing with the idea that when you die, you cease to exist. A lot of the biology and anatomy class I was taking at the time pointed me in this, at, to this understanding. As I thought about what life is on a biological level, I considered pre-life. I considered how I perceived life before I existed. I tried to draw any memory, emotion, or idea that I had before I was born. Obviously, that was impossible. It was nothingness. At least, I only understood it as nothingness. I explored the idea of death further with this new perspective. To imagine life after death, I just had to translate the experiment experience of what life was before birth. When I did that, I had a powerful moment of realization. Life after death is nothingness. No new memories, no new emotions, no new thoughts. The lights will be off just as they were before they were turned on. I came to this moment in bed before going to sleep. I can remember the feeling like it was yesterday. I was struck with immediate existential dread. The finality of death hit me for the first time. I knew that I only had this one life to capture as much experiment, experience and output as possible. My second life had begun. Live as if you were to die tomorrow. Gandhi. My post on why you shouldn't believe in heaven in my subsequent podcast here on the Happy Astronaut Show sparked some controversy, controversy among my friends and family. Many missed the point. Some people's main takeaway was that they didn't want to believe that nothing happened after you died. I might not have articulated clearly that you don't have to believe that, nor should you. It's unfounded, just like the belief in an afterlife. I make some concessions at the end of that blog to those thinking that dying and experiencing nothingness afterwards is hopeless. If you don't believe in an afterlife, you must believe that this life is all that you have. That makes this life especially important. I stated that if you believe life is the most important thing, you'll appreciate its brevity. As well, if you believe that this life is all that you have, you won't waste a second of it in the hopes that you go on to some imaginary tomorrow. We've all heard of the term carpe diem. We all understand it to mean to seize the day. However, many of our days are we actually, how many of our days are we actually seizing? For me, the answer is very few. I waste time scrolling through Instagram mindlessly and watching YouTube videos that teach me nothing. There's little sense of urgency to break bad habits and to form new good habits. That is because I, just like you, am living as if there were an infinite tomorrows. There most likely aren't. The days we have on this earth are numbered. Uh, life is short and then we die. That means that time is valuable. It's probably the most valuable thing that we have. We can trade it for money, but when we do, we can never get it back in return. The quote by Gandhi is a good one. It creates a sense of urgency for the present moment. If we live as if there's no tomorrow, we'll make more of today. However, there are flaws with this way of life. We live in a world of abundance. Everything you could ever want is at your fingertips. All you have to do is trade a little bit of money to get it. If you embrace the concept of carpe diem, you might just embrace it the wrong way. You might eat some cake because, fuck it, there ain't going to be no tomorrow. You might even start talking like that because grammatically, accuracy, grammatical accuracy is for those trying to improve themselves, not for you who only has today. You might buy a Maserati and use all the money in your bank account for the down payment because, well, you want to drive that Maserati today. Loan payments are for the tomorrow that doesn't exist. There are people in this world who find out that there is no tomorrow for them. 
for most of those people, they can't live a larger than life existence for a day because they're in a hospital. Their urgency to make the most of the present is hindered by their current state of being. And if they could, they trade everything they have to just have more time. If you're not in that position, it's fun to think you would what you would do if there was no tomorrow. Books have been written about it. Movies have been made. Unfortunately, or fortunately, living recklessly isn't what Gandhi meant when he said to live as if you're going to die tomorrow. There's a second part to that quote. Learn as if you were to live forever. The second part of this quote qualifies what Gandhi meant. Live as if you were to die tomorrow means to live with urgency. Learn as if you were to live forever means that we must build upon each day to create a fulfilling life. We must fill each day with learning and experience. That way, we can lead a life of meaning. Confucius said we only have one life, not one day. We cannot forego discipline, learning, and growth because we're expecting it all to end tomorrow. The urgency Gandhi preaches to us is supposed to create urgency, not carelessness. If reckless abandon isn't the goal, then what is? That is highly dependent on the person. We've all heard that success is relative. We all have our different views upon what success means to us. That doesn't mean success doesn't exist. Success in life is founded upon attention to the small things rather than to the large things. Booker T. Washington. Our goal in life is to be successful, whatever that means to us as individuals. No amount of success comes through wasting the valuable and limited time that we have here. In this blog, in this podcast, rather, I'm reading from the blog, I want to try to provide you with some guidelines on how to approach your day to maximize its potential. Unfortunately, providing a concrete set of rules to live by is challenging when the result is a subjective feeling of success. That doesn't mean it's impossible to calculate success. I explain more below, but feel encouraged to run this quick experiment to see if your life is being well spent. If you look upon yesterday, pretending it was your last, what would you think? Would you look upon it with pride? Or would you roll your eyes at how careless you were? Would you scoff yourself for being rude to that cashier? Would you throw your hands in the air in disgust for wasting time on some political discussion on Facebook? Would you wish you would have gone outside and appreciated the fresh air? Would you have wished that you had spent more time with your family? Would you have wished that you started writing that essay you said you are going to write? Or would you have told your loved ones how you felt about them? As you can see, looking back on yesterday in this way changes your perspective. If you were to change anything, it probably wouldn't be that you would have went skydiving instead of going to work. You wouldn't take a trip to Asia or go ziplining in Puerto Rico. You wouldn't have bought that Maserati. You would appreciate the small things more. You would eliminate the wasted moments. You would live more fully. You would control the things you could control. You would forget about the things you couldn't. Carpe diem, then, may not be the thing that we say as we jump out of a plane with a parachute strapped to our back. It might just be the thing we say as we awake to ensure that no stone goes unturned and not a second is wasted, that we solidify tomorrow's excellence because today was so complete. What might this look like in practice? How might we judge the completeness on how we live today? Little strokes fell great oaks. Benjamin Franklin. 
We've all probably heard the saying telling us to just get 1% better every day. It seems trite, mostly because how do we measure 1% improvement of our day? 1% of what? What metrics are we comparing to make a 1% improvement? I think I have an answer. However, before I discuss what the answer is, I want to validate Benjamin Franklin's quote, as well as the concept of 1% improvements. If you've read anything about Warren Buffett, taken any accounting course or passed elementary mathematics, you'll know about compound interest. Compounding interest means that we make a percentage return on a previous sum continuously over time, we don't make a percentage return on the sum we originally started with. We make a percentage return on the new sum. That means that each time we make a return, ensuring that we reinvest that return, the the interest payment would be greater than the previous interest payment. When this happens over a long enough period of time, the interest payments can become massive. This works well with money. It's very easy to visualize, but it can apply to our time, our habits, and our knowledge. Anything we make improvements on continuously over time will compound if we continue to reinvest. Small acts of improvements will not yield linear returns. The returns will be exponential if they are consistently had. If you are more disciplined today than you were yesterday, the layers of discipline you build later are easier to create and larger in scale. But to see this improvement, we must be able to measure it. So the question still stands. How do I prove that I'm making a 1% improvement? The day score. You might have some ideas of habits you'd like to build and habits you'd like to eliminate. You can use a habit tracker app for these. That would work fine. However, the only thing it would be able to tell you is how much better you are at completing the habit. It won't tell you about the quality at which you accomplish that habit. It won't score you based on that quality. To better quantify my day's quality, I decide that I'm going to keep a log of what I call day scores. Now, the blog I'm reading from is back in uh, June. I believe it's June 21st is when I published this blog. It's obviously now December of 2021. And I have been doing my day scores uh, since June, and I will discuss my progress. Although some of this is going to feel like it's in the past tense. These scores are sums of positive and negative metrics that are tracked using an amazingly simple value system. Positive metrics, which signify things I'd like to do more of or be better at, are tracked with positive values. Negative metrics, things that I want to eliminate or do less of, are tracked with negative values. I tracked all of this in an Excel spreadsheet. Every single morning, I would input the values from the previous day, sum the values, and get my total. That total is the score for that previous day. The day score tells me how well I seized that day. Below are some examples of values I use to score my day. What you'll see is that some of the ones that aren't on a 0 to 100 scale have a multiple. This multiple is to appropriately weight the value of that metric. If I really want to begin flossing my teeth, but only count each time I floss as 1, the new habit adds little to my overall score, therefore making it less motivating to do. So I add a multiple in the case of flossing, let's say times 5 or times 20 or times 50, just dependent on how much you want to floss and how badly you want to floss to improve that habit's impact on the outcome of the score. This helps if you really want to kick a habit, right? You want to make the multiple of doing the bad thing, like smoking cigarettes, let's say, incredibly high. That will increase, that will cause your day score to be ruined by engaging with that activity. So 
every time you smoke one cigarette, one cigarette's 100 points, let's say, 10 cigarettes, if you are somebody who smokes half a pack a day, that's 1,000 points. How are you ever going to recover that 1,000 points? Your score will be negative a million by the time the end of the month comes around. So here are my positive metrics that I used in the very beginning. These obviously changed over time, and I'll speak to that. Uh, positive metrics, workout quality, 0 to 100, subjective rating, um, flossing, one for each with a times five multiple. How many pages did I read? Uh, my fun score, and I didn't really like the fun score after the first couple months, uh, so I eliminated it, but this was on a 0 to 100, subjective rating of funness, um, time meditating in minutes. That is something I continue to track. And then positivity score, again, it was a little too subjective, so I eliminated that one. Some of my negative metrics that I used, one was phone screen time um, in minutes. One was phone unlocks. One was time in minutes. Now, of course, phone screen time and time on Instagram were two you know, things that kind of were the same, but I would add them. Um, I would sort of double dip on those because that's how badly I wanted to break that habit. Unnecessary money spent in dollars, bad food. Um, you know, if I ate like a cookie or something, it would be like a times 10, um, you know, a minus 10, um, and then negative negativity score, which is again, a little too subjective, but this is what I was doing in the very beginning. And like I say, this is not a perfect system. I just came up with it. Um, and I've only had it for about five months or so. Um, it will have to be revised repeatedly. I actually went through a big revision quite recently. And again, I'm going to speak to that, but I do want to speak about my first few months of experience with it. Um, before I sort of speak to the recent revision that I made. Um, being able to accurately rate your positivity uh, or negativity on any given day is challenging. However, as you continue to write in these scores, you'll get more precise over time. It's like if you were to start a new career reviewing wine. You'll have to judge many wines until your reviews become more precise to each other. The same is true here, and the same is was absolutely true here, and it continues to be true, where if you have either subjective metrics or like I said, workout quality, right, on a 0 to 100 scale. Well, you might start out where you're rating every workout like an 80, but all of a sudden you have a workout that would have been like 120 on that scale, and now you have to readjust. Um, so I don't know if anybody watches Barstool and Dave Portnoy, but he reviews uh, pizza, and I actually don't watch his old pizza reviews simply because I think they're less accurate because they're less uh, finely tuned. But again, the same is true with one. Uh, the day score is also experiment. It's not a new, it's a new system and I'm not sure how well it will work for me. Um, again, this is before the improvements that I've had with it. Um, but over the past three days, when I originally wrote this blog, uh, I really appreciated the mornings of reflection. I still do. Um, but I will skip ahead now to the second blog that I wrote. So the first blog was called Carpe Diem and How to Measure It, where I spoke, obviously, about the concept I just spoke about. And this was before I even started Day Score All, where now I'm about five months in. The second blog I wrote was called How I Became 956% Better in 45 Days. So this was 45 days after my first Day Score recording. Um, obviously, I am quite a bit further on than that. Um, but... We will speak to how things went in July and then how things are going now. So in the blog, I post a graph of my day scores from July 1st to July 31st. Now, my first day score that I put in was June, sometime in June. Um, and I think it was middle of June, like June 15th or something like that. It was a negative 43.82 on June 17th. Um, and without changing the goalpost too much, I kept all the metrics the same. 
Uh, my trend line ends in July at about 375. So if you divide 375 by negative 43.82, that's a 956% improvement. My high score on July 27th was 670.01. And this wasn't because I was fudging the numbers to make myself feel better. These were genuine improvements. The metrics I chose have real added value to my life. And I can honestly say that my life is significantly better today than it was 45 days ago. And I can truly say um, five months later that my life is far better off now than it was back in late June. I'm happier. I'm more productive. I've met more people. And I have significant, I've made significant progress in my career. And I've measured all of this with real numbers. An interesting pattern to note in the data is the fluctuations that you'll see. So if you go to the blog, I linked it in the show notes, um, you'll see the graph and you'll see the ups and downs. There'll be like a peak and then there'll be kind of like a tapering off and then a slump and then a peak and then tapering off and a slump. Um, So, you know, uh, after every peak, there's a subsequent value. I can explain these subjectively as well as objectively. Subjectively, I found days following a peak to be moments where I was less motivated to have a high score day. That's because a high score day is taxing. It means hard workouts. It means a lot of interpersonal communication for an introvert like myself. That is not necessarily always possible. It meant a lot of productive work, and I'm human. I'm not a robot. Constant progress is hard. It's possible. It's just challenging. However, if you follow the trend over time, the peaks are higher and the values are higher. So every new peak leads to a higher valley, leads to a new higher peak. My good days are better than the previous ones. My bad days are better than the priors. Despite the lower score days, the trend is overwhelmingly positive. I also had a social contract that I had to deal with because I wrote the first uh, blog, Carpe Diem, and I think it got somewhere around 100 views from my friends and family and then some of my, my listeners, my viewers. And I, had, I told everybody, hey, I'm going to post the next blog on the end of, in the end of August or the end of July, rather. And uh, so I had a social contract that I had to keep up with. So if I didn't show improvement in a month and a half, um, this cool system I created was going to seem like a failure. So there's that to do with it as well. But, you know, now that I don't have that social contract anymore, I can still speak to the improvements. There are also some correlations I was able to discover um, that make me more aware of how to capitalize on a day. This is even if I have little energy to be productive, right? If I'm not really feeling it that day, I still know there are tasks I could do um, that are low-hanging fruit that I could do that would make my day really high quality. One of those things was I tracked networking volume. So this was literally just how many people I direct message on Instagram and Twitter. I'm trying to build a company, so it's a really good way to create outreach for the company I'm building. Um, but it's something that's super easy for me to do, like sending a DM doesn't take any energy. Um, but it's brought me fantastic new connections, um, which I have that I'll leverage for my new company, which I've leveraged for the new company once we launch, we were able to launch to a whole bunch of people simply because I'd spent so much time just talking to people on Twitter and Instagram. You can see that every peak in my day score is accompanied by a peak in networking volume. So if I, I have another graph where the two charts are overlaid. I have the day score and then also the networking score. Each peak is with a networking peak. And then you'll also see when I um, do day score versus screen time, Um, My screen time was a big negative factor every day. And this is so clear when you look at the graph every day, I had um, a high day score. I had uh, low screen time and every day I had high screen time. I had a low day score. Um, 
But I want to talk about some of the habits I gained and lost as well. Obviously, there was networking, there was screen time and stuff like that. But there was a ton of ancillary benefits that I received that was quite amazing. The day school allowed me to do exactly what I've wanted to do forever. It gave me the ability to add and eliminate many habits at a time with high efficacy. Previously, I had used a streak system. I would tally the number of days that I consistently completed a new good habit or the number of days I didn't do a bad habit. The issue with this system is if you mess up one day, you lose your streak. Here's why that's an issue. Let's say you're a smoker, right? And you want to give up smoking. You stop for a week and you're feeling pretty good. You also really don't want to smoke again because then you'll lose your week-long streak. The longer the streak gets, the more you are motivated to keep it going. Soon enough, you haven't smoked for six months and you're still, let's say, tallying this on a whiteboard. You are all but ready to call yourself a non-smoker. Unfortunately, one night you have a bit too much to drink. On the back patio with a drink in your hand, you grab one of your friends' cigarettes. Now, the next day you wake up with a foggy memory of having a cigarette and realize your six-month streak you had worked so hard to build is now gone. What's the harm in buying a pack now if there's nothing to lose? You already erased your, your tally marks on your whiteboard. Um, you head down to the convenience store and buy a pack for the first time in six months. You might think I'm being dramatic, but I watched my mom, who has difficulty, who has now officially quit um, smoking, go through this cycle my entire life. She would, she would not smoke for a year. Then she would smoke once and then go back to smoking and then do it again. I've had certain habits in my life that I've tried to break um, where I've had this same recurring system. Um, so I tried streaks for everything, though. Despite this and despite watching my mom, I didn't learn my lesson. Um, the day I lost a streak because I wasn't being consistent enough, I would binge the bad habit or not partake in the good habit until I found the motivation again. That did not happen once with the day score, and it's still true to this day. If I partook in a bad habit, I didn't fall off the wagon completely. I had structured the scores in such a way that the bad habit was reflected in a terrible score. The next day, I would try to set a record. I couldn't do that with the bad habit in the way. You could see these values in the data followed by new peaks. I also scored new good habits in such a way that doing them was reflected greatly in my score. Each day, I was highly motivated to stick with them. My competitive nature in myself wanted me to beat the me of yesterday. Here's some habits I've gained and lost throughout the last 45 days, and I'll speak to them um, up until December of now. So I now brush my teeth three times a day and floss my teeth twice. This is still true to this day. I'm very diligent about it. I used to just brush my teeth in the morning and sometimes at night. That was That's the truth. Um, I wasn't very good about taking care of my teeth. I would hardly ever floss, um, almost not at all. I actually had a pack of like those floss picks for like two or three years. Um, where now I go through you know, a pack of them in like a couple months. Um, I'm now diligent about taking better care of my teeth because it turns out you only get one set. I used to lay, this was this is the one of the worst ones, the second worst one, but one of the worst ones. I used to lay in bed for 20 to 30 minutes every single morning on my phone. I would The phone would go off, I'd grab it on my nightstand, and I would just hold it and scroll through Instagram or like Tinder or whatever I was on. It was a ton of wasted time. I would have to rush in the morning before going to work. As a result, I would literally spend there for 30 minutes and then like, I would have 15 minutes to get ready for work and I'd rush out of the house. Um, now I get out of my bed uh, right as the alarm wakes me up. My system now is actually I have you know, I'm in bed. Alarm is across the room. Um, alarm goes off. I get up out of bed. I turn off the alarm and then I just go and I like wash my face and brush my teeth and do all that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm up immediately. And this has been consistent since doing the day score. And I... 
that was my least favorite habit, second least favorite habit, um, for like two or three years. I hated the fact that I did this, but I just kept doing it. I had no way to break out of it. Um, I gained over a hundred followers on Twitter just by committing myself to networking more. I've actually gained uh, fifteen hundred followers on Twitter. Um, so obviously a little bit of a difference there since end of July. But again, day scores helped. Uh, I began working out more consistently. Um, I'm a I'm a former personal trainer. So as I was slowing down my training business to build my startup, um, my workouts were declining in quality. I wasn't going to the gym quite as much because I wasn't there because I didn't have clients. Um, but since the day score, I've achieved numerous personal records on the rower. Um, I've actually uh, PR'd in a couple of lifts as well. And I'm now stronger and more mobile. I actually look a little bit better. I've lost some body fat. And this is still true. I'm, I'm actually super excited every day to go to the gym, um, which is it's been a while since I've had that feeling. Um, some habits I've eliminated. Um, so we can go through these. The first one, this is my least favorite habit that I had, um, is I think you know porn is terrible for a male's sexual health. I actually read the book, Your Brain on Porn, which I think would be a fun podcast topic. Um, but it's also something many men are addicted to, including myself. Um, I've tried to, I've been watching it since I was 12. You know, I've tried to quit porn for years. And in the past 45 days, um, I watched it only twice. And I think since I wrote this blog, I've only probably watched it once or twice. Um, I actually didn't um, masturbate for a whole month, which was a crazy experience, but I was definitely able to do it. And having the day scores there when I wanted to commit myself to a challenge like that definitely helped. Um, on July 31st, I spent only five minutes scrolling mindlessly through Instagram. And that was a big win for me. In the beginning of this experiment, uh, I was spending an hour plus. I've given myself time back that I was previously wasted on nothingness. Now, I've actually fallen a little bit back into the Instagram mindless scrolling thing, but nowhere near where I was. Um, but again, I think it's because I haven't focused on it quite as much my day score. Um, and I'll speak to you know where I'm at with the day score. Um, and I can definitely achieve it again by just making alterations in the day score. Um, as far as diet goes, I used to eat like a dessert, like a cookie, like a brownie every single day. Um, and I didn't realize that I had a bad relationship with food until I was tracking what I was doing with the day score. Um, but now I've cut out dramatically um, these negative things and I've lost a whole bunch of percentage of, I said 1% at the time, but I think I've lost like two or 3% of body fat. Um, and I was actually cut all the way down to like 11 or 12 at one point. Um, unintended benefits and gaining awareness. So this is one of the biggest things that day score has given to me. Obviously I've gained and lost a whole bunch of good and bad habits throughout the course of this and all simultaneously. Um, but one of the things I hoped was I would gain awareness through this process, right? I talked about carpe diem, talked about seizing the day, um, but I also wanted to be present in the day. Um, and I hoped I would gain an appreciation of every moment that I was spending. I intended to observe every moment and be able to accurately answer whether or not that moment was high or low value. It's still true to this day. The day score system has provided that for me. Reflecting upon each day is therapeutic. Over these past 45 days, the anxiety I would feel over wasted time was nullified. For me, anxiety is any time I feel like I am losing control or sensation over my current state. By tracking my day score, it provided me the control to realize that in this moment, there are many things I could be doing that are highly valuable and I will be enjoying. Um, productivity stopped being about work and started being about improvement in any form. This shift in perspective has been fundamental for me. My task list is more easily accomplished by my newfound productivity mindset. I'm all, I've also become, and this is actually, so I'll, I'll skip over this because I, I was doing uh, video diaries every single day, which actually were a lot of fun. 
Um, but I stopped doing those. But I would like to get back to it, I think. I think it would be high value. If you've been struggling with achieving new goals, building better habits, eliminating bad habits, and getting more out of life, I highly recommend you utilize the day score system. Um, in the blog that I linked, um, I actually link the my website that has the template that I used for the day score if you want to do it as it sits. Um, I switched up my day score system a little bit where I just track um, a, some different values on a scale of 1 to 10. I'm not sure I like it quite as much. I actually took a week off the day score to see how my life would be, and it was worse. Um, so I went back to doing the day score um, for the month of uh, December. And uh, I'm not necessarily sure I love the new system I've created, but we'll see how it goes after a month, and maybe I'll write another blog about it. That's it. Episode 9, Carpe Diem and How to Measure It. Um, RJ, I appreciate you jumping in for the last second half of this. Um, I hope you found it uh, useful. And for everybody out there listening, um, I hope you find this useful as well. It'll be cool to see if I get some new uh, blog subscribers from this and people downloading the day score template. And if you try the day score for like a month and you have improvements or you don't like it or whatever it is, give me some feedback. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say. But that's it. Episode 9, Carpe Diem and How to Measure It. You guys have a good rest of your night.